All right, welcome back to Table Talk. This is your healthy theological radio addiction. We're in Matthew 24, and verse 14, Adam read earlier, where Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, Clint, your, your mother, your spiritual mother, is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, in general, how has your mother taught this verse? Um, in general, you must go out and tell everyone the good news about Jesus, and as soon as you do your part, then the end of the world will happen. It is all up to you. Um, the, the great obligation, you are obliged to do mission work, and God can't come until you do your part. So this is this is this is a uh, so this verse has been used as a what's the right word I'm trying club. To? <laughs> okay, you're, I was trying to speak of a kinder word. Well, it's been used by a club, and you know, again, as a club, we're right? we're um, as a weapon almost, if uh, you will. Yeah, but as a weapon, as a club, as a uh, as a guilt-producing mechanism. And this is the kind of uh, false theology that comes out of uh, some in the missions department. You said, how have I experienced it in the Lutheran Church, Missouri? Yeah, because you're big with missions. Is it Um, the centralized part of the missions department? This is, uh, well, I'll just come right out and say it. This is is the theology of Mission Central. And uh, a a wonderful layman who is uh, well-intended but uh, completely misguided, uh, Gary Teese, uh, much loved, much beloved man in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, I have heard him publicly say just exactly what I said, uh, and I know that he has preached this from many pulpits in, in and around uh, the Midwest, not only Nebraska, but Iowa, South Dakota, Kansas uh, as well. This is This is the... Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Gospel. I want to make sure I understand what you said correctly and for the clarification of our listeners so that they, they understand. What you're so generally speaking, people in the Missouri Synod have taken this text, Matthew 24, verse 14, and have used it as motivation. I'll, put the, I'll use a uh, best construction here. Motivation to go out and proclaim the gospel to everyone because until we get that job done, the end won't come, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. So it it's up our, to us. It is our fault that Jesus has not come because we have not done a good job of mission work and proclaiming the gospel. So this, you know, the Lutherans like to talk about the proper distinction between the law and the gospel. So in your opinion, Adam, in what Clint has said, is, is this text been used as law to show sin, uh, to reveal sin, or has it been used as gospel? Uh, more often than not, it's used as law, I would say. Okay. Definitely. Have you, have you guys experienced what I said? Am I alone the one that has experienced this? Or um, have you experienced this uh, teaching with regard to mission in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in your time as a Lutheran? Well, I'm, yeah. an, old, uh, yeah, and I'm an old man. I mean, I've been around forever. I mean... I, I remember the days. You're not as old as me. Quit, I, get off of it. You don't know how old I am. Seriously, you really don't. I'm second career. You don't know a bloody thing about my life. You think you do. So I'm an old man. And uh, I, I remember the days. And Clint, you'll remember this too because you're getting older like me. 
You remember the days of Oscar Foigt, who wrote a very popular book that was published in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod called Everyone a Minister. And I'll bet, generally speaking, almost every congregation in the Missouri Synod that has a church library will have a copy or several copies of that book in its library, as well as many people still today in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod still have this book in their own libraries. So when you ask the question, if I experienced this? Yes, in spades. And folks, I'm not encouraging you to read the, the book by Foigt, Everyone a Minister, but I want just simply to expose people to the fact that Oscar Foigt, in his dedication of his book, he dedicates it to three individuals. One, of course, is CFW Walther. And then, of course, ironically, he never quotes Walther once in the book. And then he quotes his, his or pardon me, he dedicates <coughs> his book to two missionaries. And uh, bottom line, Oscar Foyk's book is, is running with this presupposition, namely, that we can't carry out the Great Commission of Matthew 28 if we simply rely on the professionals, namely you ringnecks. When I say ringneck, I mean these guys that wear these white clerical collars or these tabs that they wear you know we can't we can't get the gospel proclaimed to the whole world and the end won't come if we simply rely on the professionals so what we've got to do is we've got to empower everybody to do the matthew 28 job and then of course then the end will come i always think that's interesting too i mean you stop and think about it. I, i've been asked this question in confirmation many times you know what about the people who haven't heard the gospel yet and that relates to this you know when we finally get the gospel to everybody then we'll do it but have you ever stopped to consider who hasn't heard the gospel yeah i have yeah, yeah. The, how many people do you think we have seven almost eight billion people in the world and maybe twenty thousand uncontacted people in south america that haven't heard the gospel and so i think all these things are that's that argument about when we get this done, the world will come to an end, we're there. Now, just historically speaking, why would an Oscar Foigt, why, why would he, <laughs> uh, stuff's going on, you know, behind, I don't know, in any event, why would, this, why would an Oscar Foigt teach us? Well, in the, th in the 30s and 40s and 50s, especially in the World Council of Churches, with a Reformed theologian by the name of Henrik, Henrik Kramer, I believe that's his name. I'm doing this off the top of my head. This kind of teaching was being taught. And when you'd have World Council of Churches conferences, there would be Missouri Senate delegates that would attend, etc. Like one in particular that was held in New Delhi, and uh, one of the Missouri Senate missionaries, Danker, attended, and he came back and he wrote an article after attending one of the uh, faith and life order, I think it was, in New Delhi, he came back and wrote a big article in the Missouri Senate and said, finally, finally, you know, the church is finally getting her act together and we're going to proclaim the gospel to the entire world. I'm paraphrasing so that the end will come. This was the whole milieu starting at the turn of the last century. That's an interesting study. You know, the YMCA and all this stuff, the, the student mission associations get started at the turn of the last century. This is part of why this happens. Now, let's not, so people don't misunderstand. Are we against missions? No. We're all for mission work. But what's the point of Matthew 24, verse 14? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be provocative. I'm going to say that it's a promise of our Lord Jesus Christ to comfort his church that as she goes out and proclaims the gospel, she will be hated. People will put you to death. You will be, you know, 
And so if you endure to the end, you will be saved. And guess what? Verse 14 continues with this promise, namely, that despite the persecution, despite the hardship and all the things, all the crosses that you're going to have to endure as the church, I will make sure, Jesus is saying here in verse 14, the gospel will be proclaimed as a witness to the world, and I will come. Now, if you're picking up what I just threw down, that's a whole different matrix. Instead of being guilt-tripped, now you are comforted by the Lord Jesus Christ who makes a promise, and then you see you can rely and keep him to his word of promise. And so that's certain and sure. The Lord has promised, I'm going to make sure that the gospel is going to get preached as a witness to the world, and the end will come. I hope that makes sense. And it's exactly what you see in the world, right? I mean, starting with the book of Acts, uh, to bring that up yes. again. That's yes. what happens. And the beautiful thing about the book of Acts when it describes that is Luke says, in the last book, I talked about all the things that Jesus began to do as if in this book, Acts, this is what Jesus is continuing to do. And as Christians, that's what we see today, right? It's God is continuing to do the work of the church. We say it in the small catechism, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the entire church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ. But as for me, I cannot by my own reason or strength do these things. Yep, and you're exactly right. Read the book of Acts. I think that's a great commentary on Matthew 24, 14. The Lord Jesus is continuing to make sure that the gospel gets proclaimed as a witness to the nations. Acts 2, we just celebrated Pentecost a couple of weeks ago. And lo and behold, there you have it. The Lord Jesus does what he says. He pours out his Holy Spirit as he prophesied it with Joel. And he equips these men to proclaim the gospel in languages of people from all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so this if, is wonderful. If yeah. if I can uh, if I can ask a question here, why is it wrong or bad to use a verse like this from Matthew twenty four as a law motivation to get people to go out and tell the good news about Jesus? Because the law doesn't motivate me to do anything. Okay, expand <laughs> expand on that. The law should, as, as, because I'm a sinner, I still have the old Adam around my neck. The law's main task is to show me my sin, you see. It doesn't motivate me to do any of this. <laughs> Instead, it shows me that I fail. Now, how do I know this? Well, as a pastor, I have times where I have the opportunity for people to come, and if they want to confess their sin to me in private or individually, they can do so, and I, can, I will absolve them of their sin. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not divulging sin in particular here, but this is, this is what people confess. They have been guilt-tripped in the Missouri Synod by what you raised in the, 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 the bad interpretation of this text. In other words, here's what's at stake. People in the Missouri Synod have been taught to believe that they are unfaithful to God and unfaithful to mission when they do their vocation as mom and dad and make sure that they, they bring their kids to baptism and Sunday school and church and that they, have, they pray with them at home. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. The Lord's not pleased with that. You've got to do more. That's the problem here, you see. People, their, their consciences have been burdened wrongly. You want to talk outpoping the Pope? We've outpoped the Pope. What do I mean? Generally speaking, people in the Missouri Senate, they'll confess sins that they're forced to confess sins that they don't, don't commit. You've seen this in creative worship folders or services sure. where the beginning of the service is people come to a, a service and you have this creative confession of sin 
which, which is very unwise because then specific sins are mentioned in these creative services of confession. And what's the number one sin in almost every one of them? I haven't done evangelism work enough. Uh, and right now, it's probably I'm a racist. <laughs> that's that's probably in the yeah. contemporary yeah. milieu yeah. Uh, because we all have to fit into that. And so, um, to to kind of wrap a wrap a, a bow around this, when I witness my faith, when I support missions, either personally or by my checkbook. Um, this is a joyous response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, a joyous response to the fact that I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That's a trust. It's trust in our Lord Jesus Christ who makes this promise that he will see to it that the gospel gets proclaimed to all the world as a witness. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm whether ridiculous. I do it or not. Well, here's the point. The, the one gospel of the ways, goes forth. <laughs> one of the ways the Lord gets this job done and keeps his promise is that he uses the church in general, and the church in specific. So pastors do it in their vocation. Parents do it in their vocation. Evangelists do it in their vocation. Missionaries in their vocation. Don't pit one against the other. And don't, don't give people the impression that if they teach their children the word of God and take them to church, that they're not doing enough. Good God, that's a full-time job. <laughs> Amen. Well, stay Lutheran, my friends. Stars creak, I should sleep, it's keeping me awake. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with uh, Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. In Matthew 24, our Lord Jesus gives signs of the end and signs of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, these are the signs. If you got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 24. Uh, Many will come in my name, Jesus says. He says it's that they'll say that I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, and they're going to lead many astray. That's one sign that we're living in the end. And uh, also that the temple will be destroyed. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed. The end's not yet. But however, those things are indicators that the end will come. And then in verse 7, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes. They're, they're just the beginning, the birth pains. So those of you women who have had children, I mean, when the birth pains hit, you know the, uh, the birth of the child is coming and coming quickly. And so when you see all these things, false Christs. Wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, famines, earthquakes. These are the birth pains. And uh, so this is, this is how the Lord is very, um, I'm going to say foxy. And when I say foxy, I mean very wise. So that we're always watching and we're waiting. And uh, here's how I want to illustrate it. This is what I mean when the Lord's very foxy. I'll use this analogy to make the point. So, you know, Adam, one of these days, your children are going to be uh, teenagers, you know, okay? Soon, probably. I don't know. How. We got a couple years left, yeah. All right. So, and then, you know, mom and dad are going to go somewhere. And guess what? The teenagers are going to ask mom and dad, hey, when are you coming back? Now, a really foxy mom and dad, a wise mom and dad, wise parents, will, they'll answer the question this way. Well, you know, we could be back in about 10 minutes, maybe in a half an hour, maybe a couple hours, maybe not till uh, tomorrow morning. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to be back for sure. 
Now, I guarantee you with that kind of an answer, could be soon, could be a little bit later. You know what? When, when they, when they uh, plan a party, a kegger in your house, they're always going to be watching. Are mom and dad coming back? Because they don't know when exactly. That's, that's, geez, that's what he's doing here. That's really good. So that you pay that's attention. Really you pay attention, okay? All right. So this is good advice by our Lord Jesus. All these are the <laughs> beginning of the birth pains. And then he gives more signs, doesn't he? You got your Bible open, Adam? Yeah, he gives, he gives more signs. And uh, the, the more we keep reading in Matthew 24, the more it looks like the uh, headlines in our local papers, the more it looks like the 10 o'clock newscasts. Um, it, is, it is frighteningly eerie as we keep reading in Matthew 24. What's, what's, it say, what's he say in verse 9, Adam, and following? What, what are the other signs? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And that happened even on our Lord's ministry when Judas betrayed uh, the Lord. Keep going. And many false prophets, like Joel Osteen, will arise. Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Well, that's true, though. It's absolutely, when you mentioned him, that's oh, absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> but not limited to him. That's right. why I wanted to be clear. Right. Um, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And that's to your point, right? That's, that verse 12 is hauntingly contemporary right now with this, this uh, um, peaceful protest turned violent uh, rioting, uh, police being told to stand down, rule of law thrown out the window, uh, political leaders that do not want the law enforced uh, or enforced equally or fairly. Uh, we have lawlessness on so many levels right now, it's hard to keep track. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's important then to read the next verse. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, that, that verse 13, of course, is a promise to all of us Christians who live in the end times. Endure. And endurance is uh, sometimes really quite hard. But Paul, in his, his epistle to the Romans, talks about this. Do you remember what it produces? Character, hope, etc. You know? And so we, have to, we just endure these things a lot. And back to what our previous program we talked about, you know, so what should we do? You know, well, we, we endure it in faith, trusting our Lord that he will take care of his church, and that he will have a church, that he will continue to protect the family, that he will continue to protect society through civil authorities. Okay, we endure. And when, when, when people in all three of those estates violate their vocations, whether it's in the home, the church, or society, sometimes we just simply have to endure it and continue to trust. Bottom, and another thing, too, we lament it. We also lament it. Read your psalms very carefully. A lot of lament. Notice how all of the lament psalms end with faith and praising God, knowing that he will keep what he's instituted. You know, Pastor, in our, in our last program, you, you said some things with regard to uh, Christians, what they can do, and you talked about how uh, we, we pray for and support and encourage our political leaders. They're part of the civil estate that God has given, part of the way God cares and loves for us. And you also talked about those who are not fulfilling their vocation, those who are not 
uh, doing the rule of law, and that we should pray that they be removed, again, not violently or physically, but at the ballot box uh, in, in the legal process, the legal way that we have here. How can we, in light of the lawlessness of the times, uh, right out of Matthew 24 here, how can we, in light of the lawlessness of the times, be clear that we are acting as Christians and clinging to the word of God and that we have not somehow turned the church, the pulpit, uh, a denomination into a political action group? You've, you've diagnosed it whether or not what you're doing and saying is in accordance with the word of God. It's that simple. So concrete examples. Uh, when governing authorities purposely and brazenly oppose God's word and will on a topic like life in the womb and outside of the womb, then we as Christians will say, no, we will not vote for you. We will not, we will not support what you do. We will pray for you. We will pray for your repentance. And if you won't be repented, we will pray that uh, the citizens of this country will remove you through the ballot box. And I think, I think part of this is, I mentioned this, and I'll say it more more clearly, hopefully, is that uh, some, you know, in COVID-19 days, now the, the uh, politicians of the Congress people and the senators, they hold town halls via uh, phones. What do they yeah. call it? Zooms or whatever. I forget what they call that. Vir- virtual town halls. Yeah, right. And I think we need to take part. And if they allow questions, uh, that's what you need. You need to politely and diplomatically address these politicians and honor their office. But when they violate their office, we need to tell them you violated your office and you need to repent of this. And if you won't, then we're going to vote against you. And I'm going to tell all my friends and all the people in my community, we're all going to vote against you. And that's upholding the Fourth Commandment. Absolutely. Uh, that's do it in the proper way. Issue. Exactly. And it's, it's upholding the Fifth Commandment, protecting life with regard to that thing. So, again, how you, how you talk and what you do, you have to diagnose it, whether it's based upon the Word of God. Now, the, we, we, as, we as people live in all three realms in the states, you see. So for someone to say, well, keep your Christianity at home, but don't bring it into, the, into society, that's nonsense. Because I'm a member of the church. I'm a Christian. I'm also a citizen of a community and country. And I'm a father and a mother. Or I'm a father, pardon me. I'm a parent, etc. So I live in all three realms, all three estates. And therefore, God uses me in all three estates. Don't believe the lie, ladies and gentlemen, that we've all heard (laughs) that there's this supposed wall between church and state in the sense of this, that Christians have to be quiet in the public realm. Don't believe that. Speak as a Christian. Let let the word of God inform what you say and inform what you do. And of course, it's always going to be a twofold shape, isn't it? Faith toward God for salvation and love for the sake of the neighbor to help neighbors whether it's the, the, the child in the womb or the child that's born, that Governor Northam of Virginia would kill, you know, we're going we're to stand to protect these people. So I think many Christians, um, because of the things that have happened in our world, they, they're, they're comfortable and familiar with speaking out for the sanctity of human life. They're, speak, they're comfortable with speaking out for the sanctity of marriage and uh, a biblical sexuality. Some of the things that are happening in our world right now are, are kind of new uh, with regard to we don't really, we haven't had a lot of practice in speaking out with some of the issues that are a little bit more contemporary, uh, the rioting that's been going on in many places in our world, um, 
what what do we say with regard to uh, racial tensions, uh, systemic racism, uh, police brutality? Uh, well, the, these we don't have the practice in uh, making the good confession in these realms. What can you? How can you encourage us in that area? All right, with regard to police. Um, we as Christians, where police officers violate their vocation, they need to be prosecuted appropriately and punished. But we don't, we just don't make a general statement that because one police officer or a few police officers violate their vocation, that therefore it is systemically evil. That's the false move. That's the false, d- that's the false move. Okay. Okay. You can't do that. Would you want somebody to do that in your life? Absolutely you? not. But see, that's what's going on. So we have to be aware of that. You have to be discerning in this. But, but see, this the, this kind of stereotyping has happened uh, because because there, there's an because agenda. there is one priest that was a pedophile. When I wear my clerical collar into the grocery store, I am scorned and disrespected by some people simply because I am lumped together stereotypically. Yes. and that's that's sin when we stereotype people. That now, way. on the one hand, I can understand how people would think that way. Okay, that's, that's how people are afraid, and, and they have fears about this. So I can understand why people would want to think this. Okay? But on the other hand, be very discerning, folks, that you can be dupes. People can use you. So back to the police officer talk that we were talking about. Uh, I know of people, I know them, and I know them well. They are being used. And they've, they've, they've gone to public universities that have indoctrinated them in, t- in Marxism, which, which is essentially destroy what is and create a utopian society in your own image. And so when one police officer commits a crime and violates his vocation, then the Marxist way of thinking is, therefore, the system is completely corrupt. And so what is has to be destroyed. Because the only way you can create a utopia, and I mean that, this is what they mean when they talk about this. It, seriously, Marxists don't want to help. They don't want to cure racism they don't want to heal racism. They simply use this as a tool to create a new kind of racism and a new kind of tyranny, which is in their own way. And if you don't believe me, folks, just wait. If they get power, it'll, you'll, see, you'll see racism like you've never seen before on the face of the earth. You will see tyranny like you've never seen before. Which is the We're very seeing it in the streets. Which is the very lawlessness that we've been talking right. about in Matthew 24, verse 12. This, yeah. It'll just be a different... Uh, side to the yeah. same coin. Yeah. So just be aware of that, folks. We live. We live in a country now, in a society now, where again, I'm going to repeat this. I've said this before, where uh, the the Constitution of the Rule of Law is now considered to be heresy. That that it's, an, it's systemically racist. The Constitution, Rule of Law, is systemically racist. Therefore, there's only one thing you can do when you have that opinion. Those things have to be destroyed. Yeah, and, and that the crazy thing about that is the protections and the freedoms and the liberties that we have are actually there specifically because of the Constitution and the things that it says. I mean, that law is the governing body of our nation, and yeah. we're going to destroy it. Yeah. I'll come back. We're going to talk some more on Matthew 24. Yeah.